Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I think I feel like it's another ass comment, but Jason Jason just called you on your bluff and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Whatever way you look at it, Novak Djokovic is a lying, sneaky asshole. Like whatever way you look at it, it's yeah. unfortunate that that everybody else stuffed up around him. That, that's it. I mean, he's an asshole. Like to go out when you know you're COVID positive. Well, yeah. I don't think he was even COVID positive. I, I, I don't think, think that form is true. You got a bullshit fucking excuse and then fell over his own fucking lies, which is what happens, right? Yeah. That's what's happened. And then him now then ticking, he didn't go to Spain. Yeah. It's just like... Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh. But I think, I think he's going to get away with it. Well, he is going to get away with it. Yeah, I just... But he's... I think most fair-minded people would say, look, the bloke's an, an arsehole. Did, we, did they, they, they do the right thing by him? I don't know. No, I don't. I, I don't they think, fucked it up. I don't think so. That's the problem, isn't it? I don't think... I don't think anything was gained by putting him in no. an immigration hotel. No, I don't think so. But the trouble is, how do you justify that person's on the same plane with him who also has... He can't justify it, but the fact is life is never fair. Yeah. Some people fly first class and some yeah. people... Do you know what? Like, yeah. it's never fair. But that poor Czech girl that was fucking yeah, sent home, hunted down and sent home. Yeah, but, but you know what? It's like... Hey guys, welcome to the show. It's Jason here. Wanted to start the show with that hilarious clip of those reporters getting caught on the hot mic on the news in Australia as a, an introductory piece to talk about all of the shit show that is the Novak Djokovic situation in Australia, really overshadowing everything that's going on, including some of the great play that's already started. As you can hear, um, there was no introduction of Aldwin. He is going to be away for the next couple of episodes as he spends some quality time with his family, uh, wishing him obviously all of the best and uh, I know you are as well. It's going to be a bit strange trying to do this solo. It was something that we had talked about eventually happening. My goal here uh, in this episode and the next couple is to just ensure that you enjoy it uh, at least half as much as you do when we are together. Uh, we obviously have a great time doing the show and uh, make each other laugh. So um, flying solo, I'm just going to channel my inner Arsenio Hall and try to make myself laugh uh, as I go through all of the craziness that is going on with the Novak Djokovic situation and it is indeed insane. I mean I cannot have even imagined a couple of months ago I kind of sensed that it would be a bit of a storyline leading into the Australian Open, particularly how things ended at the year-end championships. Knowing Novak's stance on vaccinations and having choice over what you put in your body and 12 times distilled water and all of that stuff um, in terms of his health 
and uh, managing that. But I don't think anyone could have predicted how far down the toilet bowl this whole situation would have gone. And uh, so I'm going to chat a little bit about that today. Actually, that's going to be the only thing we're going to cover today because there is a lot to go through. I'm going to try my best to distill all the things that have been going on with that. Uh, it's going to be tricky because I, I have tried my best to stay away from some of the media coverage, which is obviously hard to do when it's everywhere. I mean, here in Canada, it's leading the CBC News um, network coverage, which CBC News Network is kind of like our CNN, but it's a government-run media. So it is everywhere, uh, hard to ignore. Non-tennis personalities and non uh, sort of those who don't particularly comment on on tennis coverage in the media are commenting on it. So it is hard to ignore, but I'm going to try to do my best for you to sort of run through the timeline and give you the highs and lows, mostly lows, let's be honest, to uh, this story. Right now, it's just after 10.30 a.m., I believe, in Australia, Friday morning. By now, I think we were supposed to have learned what the decision was going to be from the judge who works for um, the Ministry of Home Services, I believe, um, and whether they were going to uh, reverse the decision of the judge from Monday who sided with Novak um, and returned the visa that was rescinded Thursday when he was uh, arriving into Australia and then um, taken to the immigration hotel where he was left for three or four days prior to the hearing that took place Monday in Australia. So right now, um, what we know is Novak has been practicing. He's been practicing with a bunch of uh, players in Australia and with his team, getting ready to defend his title. Lest we forget what's at stake. He has 20 Grand Slams. He has nine Australian Open titles. He is vying for his 10th, and he is vying to achieve what no man has achieved, which is to get to 21. Ironically, uh, Nadal is also there and looking really strong and will also be vying for his 21st title, so uh, Grand Slam title. So all the things that are going on there are very interesting and very titillating, but most of all, people are titillated by what is happening with Novak. And unfortunately, it is really distracting from what is going on uh, tennis-wise in the summer of tennis in Australia. And there's really been some good tennis, but... We'll talk about that next time. Uh, Right now, it'll be all things Novak. So I'm going to run through the timeline of events. I thought that would be a useful exercise because I think, you know, some of the things that have gone on throughout the last several days have caused some issues, I think, from the perspective of how people are feeling about the Australian government, but also how people are feeling about Novak himself and the things and decisions that he made even prior to him arriving in Australia, which do not uh, put him in a good light. Um, So we'll get into all of that and his response to that, because I think he's starting to feel a ways about it and apologetic about it. And It adds to a whole layer of other questions around 
how his documentation was filled out as he prepared to arrive in Australia, the positive COVID test back in December, and whether or not that was an actual positive test. You know, people are thinking perhaps it might have been doctored. I mean, I think that's something that the reporter said in that clip. So we'll get into all of that. The you know, craziness of his family. I mean, let's be honest, that news conference with all of the trophies and the just the the statements from his father and mother and his brother and how that was cut short when they were trying to ask him about the COVID uh, positive test and why he would be out in public at a charity event and why he would have maintained that interview um, with that uh, news agency. All of that is just craziness. So we're going to get into all of that. I really think that first statement that he made back in April 2020 about vaccine is pretty important to the overall arc of this story. He has been very clear about his desire not to be vaccinated and his opinion against vaccination. You know, here's what he said. Personally, I am opposed to the vaccination against COVID-19 in order to be able to travel. If it becomes compulsory, I will have to make a decision whether to do it or not. So, Uh, We know how that has turned out, but I think it's important to obviously restate he's been very clear, does not agree with vaccination, and had really no intention of getting vaccinated. I mean, even from my my own perspective, watching his news conference during the year-end championships, it was very clear to me that he had no intention to get vaccinated and that he and his team would figure out a plan on how to enter the country and be able to participate Um, without getting vaccinated. Now, we can all have our opinion about that, and I'm pro-vaccination, I've been vaccinated, I've been boosted, um, but you knew quite clearly where he stood and that he was going to do whatever he could to maintain those values of his, which were to um, defend his choice to not get vaccinated while still be able to compete and figure out what those loopholes and what those workarounds would be in order to not uh, get vaccinated. So let's leapfrog because we know all the things that happened. We talked about this last week. He withdrew from Team Serbia on the ATP Cup and there was no real reason given. Obviously, uh, things were still being worked out and organized for him to be able to come to Australia uh, with a medical exemption. That's what he shared um, with his social media followers on Instagram on the 4th. I'm heading down under with an exemption permission. Tennis Australia followed with a statement saying that Djokovic was on his way to the country with a medical exemption granted following rigorous review. Um, involving two separate independent panels of medical experts. So I think there's obviously a lot, um, there was a lot of initial questioning of the rigor of that process, um, but it sort of uh, became clear that that process seemed to be a legitimate uh, process in terms of how um, players were assessed. 
the information about who the player was, um, whose medical record was being analyzed, was hidden from those who were doing the assessment. So that uh, seemed pretty legit uh, from my perspective, uh, perhaps not from yours, but we'll get into some of uh, what happened after that as we go through the timeline. Closing the loop on what Tennis Australia said about the exemption, he said there was a handful of exemptions granted out of 26 applications from players and others. So it was not just players who put forward an application, it was support staff and others who may be supporting the players. Uh, there was a public outcry on social media, obviously, particularly among Australians. Now, I uh, do have some friends who I know in, in Toronto who are Australian who um, were not happy with this at all. Understandable. It's been very hard for expats living abroad to try to get home to Australia. So people feel that there's a double standard, that um, people who have stature and status or people who are going to help the country in a certain way, i.e. through tourism and through ticket sales at a tournament like the Australian Open are going to get um, uh, preferential treatment. Obvious uh, argument that is completely understandable. The Australian Open would definitely want Novak there. He's won nine, nine uh, trophies, so this outrage uh, from people inside Australia and outside uh, Australians who are living outside of the country who have been trying to get home for uh, two to three years or at least during the pandemic have definite means of being upset uh, with this whole situation. So he arrives and uh, that's where shit goes down. I think this is where it gets interesting because um, when it comes to the trial that happened on Monday morning, uh, that was a debacle too. I don't know if anybody, uh, any of our listeners ha tried to log on to the link. I was literally on uh, my work computer, my Mac, uh, my phone. Some of our uh, friends and followers on IG were trying to help us with the link. So I had it up on multiple systems trying to get on and it was not working out and ended up following some reporters on Twitter. Everybody seemed to be having issues with that link. Eventually was able to get on um, and watch it from somebody who is covering it on YouTube. Actually, another podcast, Game to Love is the name of the show. Anyway, I think what was uh, interesting there and what the judge was um, coming to bringing to light was the fact that it seemed like from the judge's perspective, the one that would um, eventually render the ruling of reversing the refusal of the visa or the withdrawal of the visa and reinstating the visa, that Novak uh, had done everything that was asked of him and that was worked through, I guess, with Tennis Australia to get him into the country and that the border officers and whoever was on staff at immigration at that time was being fairly unreasonable in how they were handling him and not really giving him enough time to consult with Tennis Australia or his team to provide the additional information 
that they seem to be asking for. Uh, I think it was hindered by the fact that it was very early in the morning and he was just asking for some additional time uh, before <laughs> for when Tennis Australia would open because uh, I think it was five or six in the morning uh, as well as his uh, team who they would not let him speak to who were sequestered in another area. Vaccinated, obviously. So that is, you know, for us to judge. Um and uh, they didn't allow that. So he got whisked away um, and I think had his baggage and his communication devices, i.e. his phone, taken away for several hours, at which point his visa was denied and he was brought to an immigration hotel while they assessed whether he was going to be a risk and whether he was going to be deported. The trial, again, was very interesting. The judge, at least from the 30 minutes of it that I uh, watched that was uninterrupted before the signal went down again, was uh, very much seemed to be siding with Djokovic and it seemed to be leaning in the ultimate direction that it went, which was him reinstating uh, his visa and letting him uh, go and the ruling was that he was he must be let go within 30 minutes so uh, from the time that decision was made I don't remember exactly what time it was made on Monday I had woken up and it it had happened because of the time difference uh, and he was uh, I think out on the practice court later that evening now, I think one thing worth digressing and talking about in relation to this story is that cringy, cringeworthy, the cringiest of cringeworthy press conferences by the Djokovic family featuring slash starring his papa, his mama, and his very handsome brother. So why was it cringeworthy? I think if you saw any of the clips, you would know, but... Here we had on the display several photos of Novak as if he <laughs> was deceased, memorializing him. Many, many of his trophies, I think uh, several of his Australian op Open trophies, but it looked like just a whole, um, just the whole trophy case. I, maybe it was uh, intended that it was all of his Grand Slam trophies, but obviously, his family is not doing him any favors in terms of um, how they're making him look publicly, but obviously they're they're doing what they what they feel they need to do in terms of showing their support uh, back home in Serbia for him. I think the public perception of that outside of Serbia is not great. I mean, we've talked a few times on this show about particularly things that his dad has said. Uh, last week, he was referring and comparing uh, Novak to Jesus. That um, will not go over well. I don't know if it'll go over well in Serbia, but I'm certain that it does not go over well, uh, particularly when people have feelings about him already and his past behaviors and now his feelings about vaccines and feeling that he's getting pre preferential treatment to get into Australia. But from my perspective, uh, fairly cringeworthy. And uh, I think the other interesting thing about this whole uh, thing outside of uh, the press conference is people's feeling about this being a win 
uh, against vaccine mandates and, and the impact of needing a vaccine to travel. So it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out in other countries and how this impacts how countries will try and sort of tighten these mechanisms where people are um, leveraging certain medical exemptions or other ways in which they can come into countries without being vaccinated. But that was certainly a part of the press conference in terms of uh, being a champion, uh, championing a choice uh, in that perspective. What was also interesting, I think people will um, recall, was how quickly the news conference got shut down when the question about Novak showing up in public after his COVID uh, positive test on December 16th uh, happened. So I think it's worth uh, exploring that and the results of that as well. And I think the best way to do that is to share um, and review Novak's uh, statement on that. Anytime someone gets caught in a boo-boo, like Novak did, showing up at an event, having tested positive, and being around other sportsmen at a, I think it was a basketball game, who ended up testing positive, uh, and then going out in public, you are going to have to do a mea culpa. So uh, he released a very uh, lengthy statement on his Instagram and I think perhaps his Twitter. Uh, so I'll, I'll share that with you if you haven't read it. I'm sure you have, but um, it's worth reviewing again. I want to address the continuing misinformation about my activities and attendance at events in December in the lead up to my positive PCR COVID test results. So as you can see, he's already on the defensive, calling it misinformation. This is misinformation, which needs to be corrected, particularly in the interest of alleviating broader concern in the community about my presence in Australia and to address matters which are very hurtful and concerning to my family, the family that held that press conference that was very obnoxious. Sorry, he did not say that. I want to emphasize that I have tried very hard to ensure the safety of everyone and my compliance with testing obligations. I attended a basketball game in Belgrade on the 14th of December, after which it was reported that a number of people tested positive with COVID-19. Despite having no COVID symptoms, I took a rapid antigen test on December 16th, which was negative, and out of an abundance of caution, also took an official and approved PCR test on the same day. The next day, I attended a tennis event in Belgrade to present awards to children and took a rapid antigen test before going to the event, and it was negative. I was asymptomatic and felt good, and I had not received a notification of a positive PCR test result until after that event. The next day, on December 18th, I was at my tennis center in Belgrade to fulfill a long-standing commitment for L'Equipe interview and photo shoot. I cancelled all other events except that interview. I felt obliged to go ahead and conduct L'Equipe interview as I didn't want to let the journalist down, but did ensure I socially distanced and wore a mask except when my photograph was being taken. While I went home after the interview to isolate for the required period, on reflection, this was an error of judgment and I accept that I should have rescheduled this commitment. 
On the issue of my travel declaration, this was submitted by my support team on my behalf. As I told immigration officials on my arrival, and my agent sincerely apologizes for the administrative mistake in ticking the incorrect box about my previous travel before coming to Australia. So there we have it. Blame it on your team member uh, when you want to deflect any responsibility. That was a human error and certainly not deliberate. We are living in, a cha in challenging times in a global pandemic and sometimes these mistakes can occur. Today, my team has provided additional information to the Australian government to clarify this matter. While I felt it was important to address and clarify misinformation, I will not be making any further comment out of, the, out of utmost respect to the Australian government and their authorities and the current process. The current process being the uh, reinstatement of his visa and the um, waiting with anticipation uh, as to whether that visa will be rescinded again, uh, which I guess can happen. It is always an honor and a privilege to play at the Australian Open, I believe him when he says that. The Australian Open is much loved by players, fans, and the community, not just in Victoria and in Australia, but around the globe. I just want to have the opportunity to compete against the best players in the world and perform before one of the best crowds in the world. So there's his full statement. One of the things that is perhaps questionable and things that and, and something that we um, as people who have been managing and, and working around COVID for a while now is anytime we've been in contact, particularly close contact with anybody who has tested positive for COVID, we are kind of instructed and know now that we should isolate for at least a few days until we have some certainty that um, we ourselves are not um, positive and, and wouldn't pass on the virus. So he uh, had a negative test on the, uh, I think it says the 15th, the, sorry, he took a test on the 16th and then at that same day he took the PCR test, which um, he needed to await the results and got two days later. But in between that and getting the results on the 18th, he attended another event around children. And then after getting the positive test, conducted the interview. So he was apologetic about maintaining the interview, but not apologetic about attending the charity event and deciding to do that without waiting for the results. So that is... Um, Novak, if you're listening, that is the questionable behavior that people are concerned about and make them more angry as a part as part of this whole debacle. Now, it does look like Tennis Australia and the Australian government have a little bit of culpability here in how he was handled upon arrival and some of what it sounds like Tennis Australia set him up for in terms of trying to set him up for success through the exemption process or helping him through what he needed uh, to provide in order to be successful through that medical panel review. But all this to say, um, it is a whole lot of chaos going on over there. Again, as it stands, it still looks like Novak will be playing the tournament. He has been practicing since his release from jail slash the immigration hotel for the last four days. 
got a practice in Monday and I believe has been uh, in preparation mode uh, every day, has taken uh, photos with a bunch of players who he's been hitting with. So uh, he is preparing and putting his head down. I think uh, what we all, I guess, have to be somewhat impressed with with Novak, even though we might be annoyed at his decisions and his behavior and his attitudes, is his ability to really just put his head down in this whole situation. I mean, I'm quite a sensitive person, and if all of this chatter was going on about me and everything on social media and people were attacking me and my family was being effing annoying, uh, I would want to crawl under a rock and hide but he's putting himself out there putting his head down just putting himself out on the court and practicing and uh, hoping that he doesn't get kicked out of the country we'll see uh, how that shakes down I think we're we should find out today I mean I don't think they can really delay this decision any longer and it would be much much worse if he actually ended up getting on the court and then at some point before the start of the tournament or even before uh, at the time when he's prepping for his first match they decide to pull the trigger so I think some decision has to come imminently in this I'd be interested to know what everybody thinks is going to happen in terms of at least the decision with the visa my vote is he'll be staying and he'll be playing I know that is not uh, universally um, a decision that will be viewed well. We all have our opinions about how this has shaken down and it has not been pretty for sure, for sure. But I think for having more eyes, obviously, on the tournament, it will be good uh, to have him there. People who pay little attention to tennis will have their eyes glued to Novak's match on ESPN in the US and it might be the top match first round match ever um, in terms of viewership just to so people people will tune in just to see how people are commenting at how the the tennis is covered and how the commentators talk about that match and talk about talk through the whole situation through the duration of that match so it definitely will be fascinating to see uh, how this situation takes shape over the next few hours. I'm going to drop this episode uh, tomorrow morning, so we might already know by now how things have uh, taken shape in terms of whether he's still in the draw or whether Daniil uh, will be number one. But um, a couple more things before I uh, turn off the mic for today on the Novak saga. I think what's going to be interesting over the next couple of months or maybe even for the rest of the season is how this um, travel restrictions in various countries that host ATP and WTA events are going to shake down and how that's going to impact players who have chosen not to get vaccinated. I mean, Novak is clear he's going to be the spotlight on this particular issue throughout this season as uh, countries make decisions on whether it's a requirement to entry. I mean, Austria as a country is fining their citizens um, hundreds of dollars per month for not getting vaccinated. So it's going to be tough. Uh, I don't know if uh, Djokovic has played the Vienna tournament um, recently. I don't think he. that's an event that he t- particularly gets to as a 500 level event, but 
it will be interesting to see how this shakes down for him. In addition, it's going to be interesting really to see how this impacts, you know, the rest of his uh, season, uh, just this particular story, but also the rest of his career. I mean, the guy is Teflon man, from my perspective. I think when you look at the incident back in 2020, Throatgate, as we'll call it, where he chucked a ball um, in his match against Karina Busta, uh, in the fourth round where he was the overwhelming favorite, hit the ball woman, or the, the lineswoman in the throat, ending his uh, chances there in New York. For him to come back the way that he did in 2021 after that whole saga, win five tournaments, win three slams, vie for the Olympic slam, um, and you know, the calendar slam at the U.S. Open, making the final. Finally, in a way, in that final, winning the love of fans, showing his passion as he cried, knowing he was going to lose to Daniil. After that incredible season, and now dealing with this whole situation, it'll be interesting to see if he um, indeed does stay in Australia and does compete how he will do and how he'll handle the press conferences and how um, he'll just play. It, it does seem like he's able to compartmentalize and move on. This issue has become a worldwide story, so it'll be hard to see how he can move on from that, but he's been able to do it before. Obviously, the, the story in the U.S. Open uh, didn't become quite as big as this issue has. It does have sort of a worldwide feel in terms of consequence and circumstance with respect to vaccine policy and and I guess um, freedom of choice as it be, uh, comes to um, vaccine but we'll see what happens it'll just be interesting and I'd be interested to hear from all of our listeners as to how they think their this this whole situation is going to shake down for Novak uh, not only in 2022 but for the rest of the, his career I mean uh, it sounds like if he gets kicked out he has the the risk of potentially not being able to enter Australia for three years that would be uh, terrible obviously for the tournament and terrible for his own career because he's you know been very clear that he wants to break records and wants to uh, win more titles and he's 34 and he's already gotten 20 so in terms of slams so we'll see uh, what happens I can't wait to uh, talk more about the actual tennis that's going on because there is some good uh, tennis but we'll save that for our next episode with me and uh, talk to you soon uh, we'll f- let me know what's going on uh, with Novak we'll f- hopefully find out when this episode drops whether he's still in the draw bye we're here for your tennis tainment or your tentertainment or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five-star review and like, share, and subscribe, and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.